Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest today is the host of the UK-based podcast, The Joy of Sup. She is the first woman to sup 162 miles from Liverpool to Ghoul. She was featured in the June issue of Stand Up Paddle Magazine UK and in the July issue of Women Who Podcast Magazine. Her film, Brave Enough, is an official selection of the 2021 Adventure Uncovered Film Festival. She's an ambassador for two charities, the Two Minute Beach Clean Foundation and Seafull, and she's also an ambassador, ambassador for Findra and Bluefin Sups. That's quite a mouthful, Joe. I and mean, we'll talk a lot about all of this. <laughs> it is actually. <laughs> I think I need a drink of water. Um, please give a warm welcome to Joe Mosley. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Well, I'm honored and delighted to have you on the show. And um, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for asking me. So where to start? I mean, you have so much to talk about and we have so little time. But mm-hmm. one of the first things I wanted to talk about was how you got started with paddleboarding. Like what <laughs> led up to that point in your life that you're like, yeah, I'm going to jump on a board that I've never been on and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. So um, I remember it really clearly. It was the 24th of September, 2016. And I had injured my knee in the January of that year. I'd slipped and injured my knee. And I'd been on crutches for a while and um, not in a great place mentally. You know, I couldn't move about much and it was sort of affecting my well-being and I was in pain. And then as my knee sort of healed and I came off the crutches in the September of that year, I set myself a challenge to spend 30 minutes outside each day doing some form of exercise. Um, And it mainly was walking at the time because that's really all I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, I could slightly cycle, but um, it sort of was still quite painful. So I took a paddleboarding lesson because I'd heard that it was really good for your core strength, really great for your balance, but it wouldn't negatively impact my knee. So really, it was just something that could add to this rain or shine 30 challenge. Um, And I went up to the Lake District, which is a really beautiful part of the UK, took the lesson, stood up and thought, wow, for the first time in months, I felt like a warrior, not a worrier. Mm. You couldn't wipe the, you know, the smile on my face as we came home. And I just had found something that I really enjoyed. So, yeah, 24th of September, 2016. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we never forget those dates, do we? No, no. And I didn't know what it would lead to. It was really just following that interest and curiosity and just trying to do something that would lift my spirits. So, yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like you met a lot of people through that sport and continue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That there's a a great sub-community out there that is welcoming. Yeah, there is. I mean, really welcoming and interestingly when I started there wasn't that much of a community or I couldn't tap into it certainly where I am I never really saw other people paddleboarding for about three two to three years it was always me out in in the bay on the coast where I go never saw anybody on the canal when I did the coast to coast but now it's really blossoming Um, and I've tapped in through through the podcast and through my writing I've tapped into that community and it's wonderful um, but I was very much on my own for a while. But now I see that the community's really flourishing. Um, and 
yeah, it's lovely to tap into. It's amazing. And it seems like supping, paddleboarding is kind of taken off the last few years. Do you know what's behind that? Um, I think it was probably bubbling away and then took off probably in the UK. I mean, there have been people that have been paddleboarding for 10, almost 20 years in the UK. I think one of my guests, her first paddleboarding lesson was early 2000s. Mm. Um, So it has been bubbling away, and I guess it reaches a tipping point. I think the, the COVID pandemic um, aided the growth of it in the sense that people wanted an adventure on their doorstep and well-being. And also there's been campaigns about encouraging more women, particularly to paddleboard. And so, yeah, in the last two, three years, it really has taken taken off massively. And I think a lot of that is driven by women. Um, and, you know, for a variety of reasons, it's a sport that you can get into with not that much experience beforehand of water sports. Um, it's very accessible. And I think also there's an element, probably a bit like podcasting, actually, where there isn't this huge history of how you do it. So you can always create the doing of it mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, and I, I read an article by a woman who's um, a white water paddleboarder, a young, young woman, who I'm going to have on my podcast, I hope. And she said something similar. She said, we're, we're sort of creating the the way paddleboarding is done as it as we're in it. It's not like cycling or running that have got this or kayaking or huge history. But the way that podcasting is we're all making it up as we go along. Right. <laughs> and yeah. you know, and it's very welcoming in that respect. So yeah, it's it's been a wonderful thing for me. And one thing that you had mentioned before that paddleboarding isn't quite diverse as you would like. Um, mm. do you find that kind of increasing as it the years go by or how is that being promoted? I hope so. I mean, for me, trying to find guests for my podcast is literally going through Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like looking at the, the hashtag and, and going from one person to another to another. And it isn't as diverse, certainly in the UK. It's, you know, ethnically, it's not as, as diverse by any means. You know, I, I hardly ever, I mean, I do focus on women, but I, I really don't see men or women of color um, but that's just my Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. So I've got to find other ways, um, certainly find other ways, because I, I would like it to be more diverse. Yeah. Um, I'd like to have more diversity on my podcast. It's diverse in the sense of, you know, a lot of water sports are very male dominated. And in this one, we have more women, but that's about as diverse as I can get it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would love to. And maybe I have to go onto Facebook. I'm rubbish at Facebook. Um, but maybe you have to go onto Facebook and maybe that's where I can find my more diversity. But um, yeah, that's something that I would really like to encourage as well, because we, we, we're a really welcoming community. And so I don't, you know, we, we should be just welcoming everybody. Well, this is the call to action for the listeners. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Get out yeah, there. And, on and the I would love, yeah. And I would love to have um, guests from, you know, so far I've only had guests from the UK um, but I would love to have guests from all around the world. So, yeah, if, if if there are listeners that would like to put themselves forward, please please let me know. That would be fab. And I can shout out to Kathy. So, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your coast-to-coast trip. Um, it was 162 miles. What did you just wake up one day and be like, <laughs> I'm going to do this because I've got nothing better to do and no one, no other woman has done it. What, how did that come about for you? 
So I had the idea to do it about two months after I took my first um, paddleboarding lesson in 2016. And at that point, I just wanted to go from Liverpool to Leeds. So that's 98 miles along the Leeds-Liverpool Canal. Um, but I told a few people and their response was, that sounds logistically very complex. It sounds quite boring. You know, what would a canal offer? And also it sounds too difficult for women of your age. Now, I was only 51 at the time and I wasn't that confident in my ability. Mm -hmm. So I just put the dream, didn't put it away, away. I put it like to the back of my head, you know, like a little secret drawer in your heart sort of thing. And I just carried on doing, doing my, my little adventures. And at the time, both my sons were at home and then one son went off to university and then my youngest son was still at home. So I still, as a single mum, was juggling all that, all that lot and sort of increasing my confidence. And then in January 2019, I realised that my youngest son would be going to uni. He'd be going off to university. And so I would be a single mum, empty nester. And I didn't want to be that sort of mum that was always ringing up and saying, oh, what are you having for your dinner? And are you okay? You know, I wanted to have a dream that would pull me to the future over that sort of hurdle of him going away and realising, you know, they're both going off and doing their own thing. Um, so I wanted to have a big dream. And also in the intervening period, I'd had quite a number of um, girlfriends had died. And they, some I knew more than others. Some were like schoolgate mums. Some I knew, you know, had known for years. And cliched as it sounds, I really just realised that life is really short, really precious. And if you have the spark of a dream, you should at least give yourself the chance to try it. doesn't mean that you will succeed. It doesn't mean that the outcome has to be you know, I made it, but almost the triumph is in the trying, you know, is mm. getting to the start line is saying, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to back myself. And I think as a mum, I backed everybody in the world, you know, all the people around me and I had never really backed my own ideas. So I revisited the idea in the January and thought, yeah. And then um, I think in the March just sort of said to the world on my Instagram, I'm going to do it, which was terrifying but yeah, just wanted to give myself the chance, really. Yeah. And how was that preparing for the journey? How was that journey of preparing? Um, it was scary. There was a lot of procrastination, a lot of procrastination. And then at some point it was like, you're just going to have to sort this, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, face the fear and do it and do it in bits and steps. And, um, and I had a frozen shoulder that needed to unfreeze and I needed to train and I think it was just, um, there's a quote by Emily Dickinson, the poet, if your nerve fails you, then go above your nerve. And I just had to keep, every time my nerves failed me and every time I thought I can't do this, just had to go above it and just say, come on, come on, you can, you can. Just suspend disbelief, you know, suspend the idea that you can't do it. And I listened to a great podcast with some friends of mine who had rode across the Atlantic in their 40s and one was 50 at the time. And they said that believing in yourself was your superpower. And so I just had to take that. I just had to say, right, my superpower is that I believe in myself and I'm not going to keep questioning because you can spend an awful lot of time questioning yourself. And I'm just going to suspend the disbelief that I can't do it. or the, I'm going to suspend the belief that I can't do it. And I'm going to believe I can do it. And I'm just going to work with that, which is not my natural instinct because my natural instinct is to question and doubt myself all along the way so it was quite unusual for me but that's 
that's what I did. And I just trained accordingly. Awesome. So how does it feel to be the first woman to accomplish this task, this journey? Um, it feels, yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. And, and what's lovely is that other people have gone on to do it. And one of my guests on the podcast, she went on to do it last year with a friend. And it was funny because I was really, I took 11 days and we were making the film and I was picking up litter and I was fundraising and all those things add to a day, you know, all of that takes up time. And when they did it, I was like, I bet they do it in like five days and they just show how slow I was, <laughs> but they did it in 11 days too. And I was, and they were like 20 years younger than me. And I was like, oh, okay, so it wasn't that slow. Um, so they did it in the same time. Um, and I think that's what's lovely, because it was never about beating a record. But the more, you know, when people say to me, oh, or I get a message saying, well, somebody told me you did this, can you give me advice? It just feels lovely. It's lovely just to say it's just very beautiful. It's really interesting. Yeah, so it's a lovely feeling. And yeah, I'd never really been a kind of first person. It, it never really occurred to me. So I guess it's something nobody can ever take away. Sometimes I can't believe it, really. <laughs> I can't really believe I did. I was coming back on a train recently. No, a bus, a mega, mega long bus. Well, probably for the States, not long. For me, it was really long. It was like six hours, which for me is like, you know. Mm -hmm. And I looked over and I realized that we were going over the bridge, uh, a river bit, which I had gone under. I just kind of looked over from this bus and I was like, wow. That's incredible. I was down there once. So, yeah, it's nice. It's a funny, nice feeling. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And then people are going to be looking to you for <laughs> tips and advice. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I think yeah. that's yeah. that's great. Yeah. And I give little I give talks to um, there's an organization in the UK called the Women's Institute, which has been going around for like more than 100 years. Um, and I give evening talks and it's really lovely afterwards people say oh the women say oh you know I think I might book a lesson or they'll message me and say we went out as a group and it's just passing that forward you know paying forward that the kindness I was shown and just encouraging encouraging people to try it they don't have to paddle across the country mm -hmm. but just encourage them to try something new so yeah it's lovely well I have a sup lesson tomorrow fantastic and I actually did a sup lesson when I was on vacation in Hawaii uh, oh, many why? years ago yeah. and it was great so I have this oh. like grandiose vision that tomorrow is going to be exactly like Hawaii which it's not because it's not <laughs> Hawaii <laughs> and I'm not on vacation but no. I'm excited and yeah. um, I'll let you know how it goes because I, you do. Know, I do have some low back issues so I don't know if it's going to help or hurt but yeah. you know that'll definitely be the test and if it goes well yeah. and I'm not laid up for a week with my back yeah. afterwards, then I'm definitely going to purchase a paddleboard. Oh, wow. And which beach will you be launching from? Is it a beach you're going on or a lake? Well, it's actually a bay because I live in the San Francisco okay. Bay Area. And I live in mm -hmm. Alameda, which is like a little island next to Oakland. And there's this little marina uh, mm -hmm. where the the paddleboard shop is. Um and so I'm going to go and Google it. I bet it looks beautiful. Yeah, I'll send you the information and then yeah. you can see, because you can see the San Francisco skyline um, oh. from that yeah. area. So it's pretty scenic as far as that goes. Yeah. And you can see planes going in and out of SFO and Oakland airports. And Inter That sounds so. fabulous. 
Amazing. But the water's not as clear and gorgeous as Hawaii was, but. No, you know. no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. So during your trip, did you fundraise during the trip or before? So I did um, a bit before and, and during. So I was kind of keeping up on Instagram and, and Twitter and saying, this is what I'm doing. And, and then um, a bit at the end. So it's like through throughout. I think most of it came just as I started and as I was doing it. Once people realized I was definitely doing it. And then it came at the end as well. So. Yeah, there was that added responsibility of trying to explain to people what I was doing. And yeah, that all just takes time, just takes time and energy. But it was good. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was part of the film. And yeah, so yeah, a lot, a lot on actually. A yeah. lot on. <laughs> you don't realize quite how intense it is until you sit back and go, oh, I did that. But also, all I had to do was literally eat, sleep, paddle, pick up litter and tweet. You know, that was it. <laughs> I didn't have to do much else. Which when you're, you know, busy and you've got children and family and jobs and all that, you know, you're juggling a lot. And this was just, you know, one thing I had to do for 11 days, which was extraordinary. It was lovely. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about the foundations that you fundraised for. So the Two Minute Beach Clean is um, a global community of uh, what we call barefoot warriors. And it's just basically encourages us to take two minutes each day to pick up litter, whether we're on the beach whether we're in the street, in the park, you know, wherever it is, and to share that on our social media to encourage others to do the same and also to think about how we can reduce our single our reliance on single-use um, plastic. Um, and it's just a really lovely, encouraging community. I think it's got 80,000 followers kind of um, on the different socials. Um, people across the world, you, you don't have to join anything. You just do it and you hashtag it and they'll find you and encourage you. And, you know, sometimes I'll be sharing stories of someone in Russia or someone in Hawaii. You know, it's really lovely, very gentle, very encouraging. Um, and it just welcomes everybody. Um, it's, it's not sort of politically affiliated. It's not shouty. It's just Everybody's welcome just to take two minutes to do it, post it and, and be cheered, cheered along, really. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's lovely. Um, and then I raised money for a charity called The Wave Project, which is a charity that takes children and young adults surfing uh, with surf therapy. And it's the first um, surf therapy program that was um, endorsed by a national health service around the world. So it really led the way. And I was lucky to go and see um, it in action on the, you know, on the beach. And they took this young young boy out surfing. And it's not about getting him to ride the wave. It's about giving him the tools to um, find something that brings joy, to de-stress, to, you know, know that there are adults that really have his back. Yes, really lovely, really kind, really caring. And there's a lot of overlap in terms of, Uh, The place where I did it, they had a beach clean board because, you know, we're all looking after the ocean because the ocean looks after us. It's that simple. Um, So, yeah, they're the two that I I fundraised for. So really wonderful charity. Yeah, amazing work for both of them. And I think that's amazing that they have a, a foundation that will help kids get on the water because I know there can be a lot of fear around that, especially the ocean. So yeah. Yeah, no, it's really, really, to see it in action was really amazing. And some of the children are carers. 
Some of them have gone through really difficult situations, maybe have PTSD, um, anxiety, you know, mental health issues. And I think now more than ever after COVID, you know, mm. um, young children, have, they've had a rough time. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So while you were on this journey, how was it for you emotionally and physically? Um, physically, it was fine. I, I mean, I've never said that I'm the strongest paddleboarder. I'm not the fittest. I'm not the fastest. But I think I do have that element of grit. You know, I just, I'm very good, probably being a mother, of just doing the same old thing day after day <laughs> after day, you know. <laughs> oh, the washing, you know, oh, the dishes need cleaning. Um, so I'm pretty good at just bribing myself when the going gets tough to just keep going so physically it was hard but but emotionally it was harder it was that self-belief you know and at one point I did go wrong on the canal and you know all the demons that of what I've ever done wrong in my life came flooding back you know that do you remember that time in 1987 when you went to this concert and you said this and you upset this person or you didn't quite understand this or 2001 and this went wrong you know those moments all these things come flooding back um, that was probably the hardest, you know, and overcoming the doubts, you know, when I was tired and wet and hungry and thinking, oh, God, I can't do this. Have I literally bitten off more than I could chew? And there was one night when that really happened and I was, you know, I was awake at two, three in the morning and thinking, Whew, this is just, I don't know that I can do it. Um, and I just had to say to myself, look, However long it takes, as long as you physically can do this, just take as long as it takes. You can ask for more time off work. You can just say to people, this is harder than I thought. I'm just going to keep doing it step by step. And in the end, I did take, I think I, I had planned to arrive in a, at the end at um, maybe 12-ish and I arrived at 5-ish. So, you know, five hours across 11 days wasn't too bad. But I just had to give myself that grace just to say, just keep on trucking, just keep on paddling. You got your chocolate, you got your peanut butter sandwiches, you know, <laughs> just keep on going. Um, and it's a, it's a good lesson, but sometimes it is just the grind mm -hmm. and you just grind it out really. Yeah. So, so you were powered mm -hmm. by chocolate. That's not a bad thing. No, chocolate, peanut butter, <laughs> not a bad thing at all. Because I wanted, and I, I made myself bliss balls, like protein balls, so that I didn't have plastic wrappings and stuff like that. So yeah, it was... Um, yeah, food was really good. It was like, okay, one more mile, then you can have a bit of chocolate. One more mile, then you can have <laughs> So like no, a reward system. Yeah, yeah, literally, like I was treating myself like a child. You know, <laughs> come along now, or a dog. <laughs> right. Come along. Yeah, treating myself like a dog rather than a child. But um, yeah, you just had to, I just had to grind it out. And some days, some days I flew along. Some days I was joined by people. Some days I felt like, you know, queen of the canals. And some days it just got to the point where it's just like, just keep on stroke after stroke. You know, maybe the the area I was going through wasn't that pretty or it was wet or it just was a bit tired and I just had to, yeah, stroke by stroke, really. So looking back, is there anything you would have done differently? I would have got a selfie stick because <laughs> I, I would have, yeah, there was a lot of pictures where I was crying and it's like, yeah, it would have been nice to have a little bit of difference distance between me and um and I guess that was it I never thought we'd make a film like that um so it was very raw very authentic I guess no I I was I think I did what you know I'm proud of how we did it it was very rough and ready it wasn't hugely glitzy it was just you know keep on keeping it really simple yeah. um 
you know, and I often get people saying, oh, I love how you share it. It's very simple and you're very honest and you're not like a superwoman. And I know that's a compliment, you know, (laughs) (laughs) know, it's a real compliment when they say that you're just like one of us. And I'm like, yeah, you know, absolutely. There's nothing superwoman-y. I just did it a little bit by bit. Yeah. And let's talk about your film. It's uh, Brave Enough, A Journey Home to Joy, and it's on the film yeah. festival circuit, right? Yeah. Tell mm-hmm. me more about the film and how it feels to share it with the world. So the film is a featurette, although we, which is 54 minutes long. We have a 40-minute film festival one uh, made with the filmmaker Frit Tam, who asked um, if I wanted to have someone come and make a film. We didn't really know each other that well, but we formed a really amazing friendship. It was made up of proper film work by Frit and me with my selfie iPhone. <laughs> and then we realized uh, when Frit did the first sort of iteration of it, we showed it to my son and because he would just happen to be at home um, when it was sent through and, and we thought about it. And then we realized that it didn't give the backstory. So the backstory of grief and anxiety and loss and my mum dying and the menopause and and a little bit about my divorce, not something I really share much about, my miscarriages, all that stuff, motherhood. And then when when we filmed that later and we put that in, it just gave a much better story. It was a rounded story. So somebody can watch the film and know the journey to the point of starting and then the journey itself. Um, so it's lovely. It's not you know, and, and we both wanted to make a film that you don't normally see. I mean, I go to film festivals, I go to Banff and, you know, all these really in- incredible film festivals, you know, World Ocean World Tour, you know, all the stuff. And Kendall Mountain Film, you know, the big name tours, and I go and watch them. And I just, I would always notice there were women like me in the audience. So there was an appetite for an adventure, but I would very, very rarely see a film about women like me or like those women in the audience. It was often younger, it was often men. And the narrative was um, adrenaline and high risk. And and this is not that, it's none of those things. This mm-hmm. is not a standing on the mountaintop film. This is Walk With Me Through the Valleys film. And I think a lot of women, particularly, although men as well, relate to that. It, you know, I'm never in any shape or form say, look at me, look what I've done. And I also don't, we, we were really particular about not saying things like, if I can do it, you can too, because you just don't know what people are going through. And we find that we both individually and together found that quite a um, condescending phrase, you know, if I can do it, you can, because nobody knows what's going on in someone's life. Right. So we wanted to have a film where you sort of say, this is my story, but there are so many touch points that women can relate to. So marriage, divorce, babies, miscarriages, grief, loss, anxiety, the menopause. You know, we've got, the, you know, we've all got those things happening at some point or many of us have. And we wanted just to say, look, this is what I did with them. This is where I took my grief. And I'm not saying you need to do the same thing, but maybe you just will feel less alone that I think that ultimately looking back on it is the message that I would want women and men to come away with which is you're you're not alone in going through these things and these are a few things that I did that helped me and I'd love to know what helps you Um, but it's so far from the standing on the top of the mountain waving a flag film 
Um, and it seems to have resonated. We launched it online in, in January. So what happened was my son went back to university and I, on New Year's Eve and I could see that the UK was going back into lockdown for three months. And I thought, you know, I'm living on my own. I'm working from home. Other people are going to be doing the same thing. And I messaged Frit and I said, why don't we see if we can launch the film online? And we created these film festivals and people loved them and they watched it. Um, you know, our own film festival, just, to, you know, um, Frit and I showing the film and having a QA. and a And um, the response was just really heartwarming. You know, we were having people in the chat yeah. box crying. <laughs> I relate to you or this, you know, this is just my story or very close to my story or I understand, you know, um, yeah. you know, maybe I could do something or maybe I could do something for a weekend. And so and then we launched it into the into the main film festivals um, and it's sort of going around the circuit now. We've just found another one that we're going to. And That's great. That's amazing that you're able to share your story and and is there do you feel like a sense of responsibility for sharing that story or um that's a good question i stand by the film there's nothing about the film that i've come across in hindsight where i go ooh, i don't know if i you know i do i stand by it mm -hmm. so if somebody said well i'm not sure about this but i could give them a really good reason why we included it there were bits in the film where there's a couple of bits where people are like, oh, Joe's really inspiring. And I used to say to Frit, could you just take that bit out? And Frit would go, no. And I, we would literally almost argue about it. And then we had to cut the film down. And I was like, look, I know the exact bits that you need to cut out. <laughs> and Frit's answer was like, nope, they're not coming out. I, I feel awkward in those points. Right. You know, I genuinely feel a bit awkward where people are like, oh, Joe's really inspiring. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really. But everything else I, st I would stand by and sort of say, yeah, no, this is, this is the honest truth of what happened. This is why I cried. This is where I went wrong. This is my triumph. This is my victory. This is my absolutely in the pit of despair, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, in context of a paddleboarding journey, nothing, you know, nobody died or anything awful. Um, but um, I think it's an honest account and, and, I think it's like anything. I remember Glennon, and I'm not in any way um, equating myself with Glennon Doyle, but I remember she said that once you write a book, and I think Elizabeth Gilbert said this as well, once you write a book, the book goes out into the world and people take that book and it becomes their book. And you're not, I think Elizabeth Gilbert said, you're not a defense lawyer. You don't go around having to defend the book to how people interpret it. Right. And I remember a podcast where she was one of the podcasts I listened to when I was first listening to podcasts. And she said something like people would come up to her after Eat, Pray, Love. And they'd say, oh, my husband, he was just as bad as yours. And she's like, I, I never said that about him or this happened to me. And it was just like this. And she'd go. That that wasn't in the book. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. People take, you know, people yeah. take what they take, and so yes, if people if people take the film and interpret it how they interpret it, that I can't do anything about that. I would be up all night if I thought I could. Yeah, but I will definitely stand by the film and say, yeah, that was an honest account of what happened, and that is that chapter and. I'm on to a different chapter, but that was a really vital chapter in my my story, really. Yeah. And you are an inspiration because you oh. you show people how to be courageous, like you said, as far as 
as far as believing in yourself and getting mm-hmm. past that nerve and mm-hmm. and doing it. So, you know, you mm-hmm. people look up to you and say, hey, yeah, this yeah. is doable, oh. you know, and I'm going to go try it because Joe yeah. tried it. So I think oh. that's important for you to recognize. Um, oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and that's it. If someone just goes out and tries paddle running, whether they like it or not, but they at least gave themselves the chance or a bike ride or anything that just, you know, I'm really keen that people find particularly women find some time for themselves to do something for themselves. Yeah. Whether that's paddleboarding, cycling, embroidery, reading, you know, um, that is another message. You're not alone and you're worth looking after. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of talk about uh, age as a barrier for women. Uh, Can Mm. you tell me a little bit, how, what your thoughts are around that and how can women, as they get older, either overcome those barriers, if it is a barrier, how they can just mm-hmm. push through and... It's interesting because you often see age is just a number. Age is just a number. You're ageless. You're, you know, anything that your mind can believe, your body can achieve and all that. And there's part of me that's like, yeah. And there's part of me that's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are not right you know yes it is just a number but it is a fairly specific number and that number comes as you say with the menopause comes with some fairly for many women fairly specific symptoms that can make life quite tricky so you know if your your anxiety goes through the roof you get aches and pains maybe you're just not sleeping you know and if you're not sleeping then the idea of trekking through the mountains isn't going to be great so it's just a number, but it's also a fairly specific things can happen for many women. And so for me, there's that to take into account, which is why it's about kindness and self-care and understanding and being gracious with yourself and, and sort of saying, you know, today's not a great day, but tomorrow might be a better one. So there were days when, you know, I paddled like eight miles because I was just exhausted. And then there's another day I paddled 24 miles same person just had a really good night's sleep the night before and also just felt really encouraged that day um you know internally encouraged um so i do believe it is just a number i do believe we need to be aware of the circumstances that's going on with the menopause i think there's also just a societal expectation that we aren't good enough or we aren't strong enough or we aren't brave enough which is just what our generation particularly in the uk has grown up with you know just ingrained stuff is that ingrained ageism that sometimes you have to check yourself and um, it's also that judgment of well you're putting yourself first that's a little selfish <laughs> you know yeah. particularly if you've been used to putting everybody else first there's that sort of um and there was a campaign in the uk called this girl can campaign by sport england which encourages women to get active um, and certainly for a lot of women particularly mothers or carers the idea of putting themselves first is really, really one that a lot of women struggle with. I think the campaign has been brilliant because it's shown that we all struggle with it and we're all worth that energy and that time. So there's lots of things that mentally you kind of have to just check yourself and sort of say, yeah, no, am I just thinking that it's too much or um, uh, is somebody trying to make me feel a little bit guilty for doing that? And, you know, I did it after my son had done his A-levels, which is like his final exams at school before university. 
I wanted to do that after he'd done them because I wanted to give him the, the time he needed. Thinking back, would I, could I have done it a couple of years before? Yeah, I could have done. But it was that internal ageism within me of, am I strong enough? And also, should I be doing this? You know, am I being a bad mum for doing it? So there's all sorts of things that feed into decisions. And I think the key is just saying you're worth it and your dreams are worth it. And they're not worth there's a quite a lot of stuff in the UK about um, if you do this, you'll become a, if you exercise, you'll be a better mum, a better colleague, a better daughter, a better worker, a better friend. And I think those things are true. But I don't think you should just do it in order to be a better something for someone else. I think you should just be able to say, I'm going to do this. Why? Because I want to. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? There doesn't need to be an explanation and like, no. Like defending the film or defending a book. You don't need to defend yeah. any of your decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not abandoning anyone. I'm not walking out on anyone. I'm fulfilling all my responsibilities, but I'm doing it just because I can and I want to and I want to give it a go and I want to back myself. Yeah. And, you know, I I just, I'd never backed myself. Never really. And so it's just the first time in my life I really backed myself. So it was quite novel really and I, I I think women should be allowed to do that and when you say that back yourself how does that make you feel as far as is there a more sense of freedom joy yeah all of that freedom joy um and there's also a responsibility but with that responsibility it's like saying I'm gonna back myself and if this doesn't work out that's okay that the okayness isn't predicated on it working out brilliantly it's I'll take responsibility for whatever happens. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I'm not blaming anyone else. I'm taking it on board. And so when you do that and you say, well, there's almost a freedom in that to say, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to do my best and I'll catch myself if I fall. Yeah. And I don't need anyone else to catch me. So I'm good, thanks. You know. <laughs> and you paddle and you away. Stay, yeah, and you paddle away. And if some. <laughs> And then someone can't criticize you because you say, well, I'm going to catch myself if I fall. If it doesn't work out, then that's down to me. But I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to expect you to rescue me. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to do it. So you don't need to judge me because it doesn't really have anything to do with you. And that's a massive thing for me to say, because until a few years ago, I didn't really believe you could do that. I was full of that whole judgment, you know, self-judgment that I'd learned to believe that you have to put everybody else first. So yeah, that's great. So let's talk about your podcast, the joy mm. of sup, the paddle boarding sunshine podcast. How did that come about? And what is your vision mission for the show? So I listened to lots of podcasts and really found I enjoyed them. I listened to a few adventure podcasts, and I found them a little bit mountaintop stuff you know look at me look at me and I listened to a couple of just different things and I thought you know those stories don't always relate to people or they don't ask people on the show who are kind of people that I'd like to listen to and I knew that there weren't many paddleboarding podcasts um there's one really great one called Sup FM he interviews men and women uh, there's the British canoeing they have one they interview men and women and I thought right I'm just gonna but really very few and you know I kind of looked around on Apple and there'd been some that had started but were like you know not in use anymore 
um, I thought there's obviously a bit of a market and there's so many times in, the, in my life that I've looked at things and thought, wouldn't it be great if someone did this, but didn't do it. And then I thought, I don't want this thing to be the same. Um, and so I thought, right, I'm going to write a list of all the paddleboarders that have inspired me over the years. And they were mainly women because that's who I'd followed on Instagram. And I just thought, wow, there's, there's a season. <laughs> I've got a season there. So why don't I try? Um, and, and it was very much a case of press a button and hope for the best, like literally. And I knew that I knew that I was good at choosing people. I knew that I was good at finding good stories. I knew that I was good at talking. I knew that I was really rubbish at the technology. I was really rubbish at the editing. I was really rubbish at um, that whole technical side. You know, I tried to do Calendly so that I could book people in and just gave up on that. You know, so I knew what my strengths were. I knew what my weaknesses were. Um, and I've learned so much. I've released 20... 22 episodes of as of today. Congratulations. Um, and you have like over 7,700 downloads, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I I mean, I know somebody who's got a podcast about the menopause and she's like had 100,000 views or list downloads. But then, you know, we're niche. We're women who paddleboard. It's right. not exactly, yeah, you know. exactly. Um, we're niche. So for me, I'm really excited that a niche podcast is hitting the mark. And so I have three criteria for my guests. One is that they like paddleboarding, uh, clearly. Number two is that they have an interesting story. So it doesn't have to be mega inspiring. It has to be interesting. And the baseline of the interesting is it will be interesting and encouraging to one person. So if one person listens to it and goes, that has helped me feel better about myself, I've hit the mark, you know, literally if one person feels better about it and maybe takes a paddleboarding lesson or gets the paddleboard out of the loft that's been there for months and, and as you know, they've kind of lost a bit of their nerve through lockdown, which I certainly did. So I have had inspiring, incredible, I have had world record adventurers. I've had endurance paddlers. I've had sup racing, sup yoga, sup. I, I mean, I've had all the big stuff, but I've also had stories where, I think they're just as big in the sense of a woman who used to be scared of the water, learned not to be scared of the water and now swims. And when she's on holiday with her family is playing in the water rather than sitting on the beach. Mm -hmm. So for me, that is interesting and that is really inspiring, but it doesn't have to be a world record label. And then the third thing is that they have a big heart. You know, they have a generous heart. They have a commitment to the audience that the audience will feel lifted by what they say because you know I can look on Instagram and I can go for the great pictures and I can go for the look but I I've got to have a story because this is audible this is a storytelling platform it's not a picture platform mm -hmm. so I spend a lot of time flicking through accounts and trying to find the story and if there's no story they're not I don't care how many followers they have and how many likes and how good their reels are I hate reels, um, <laughs> but uh, they have to have a story. So I launched um, on Christmas Eve with probably the woman that inspires me the most in paddleboarding, 
And the reason like was Christmas Eve was because I needed to get her in and, and she was like the third person I interviewed, but I wanted her to be the first guest. And I went on all these forums and I was like, do I launch at Christmas? Do I wait till January? And everybody had a different answer. And I just went, okay, I've done the trailer. I did the trailer about a week or two before. If I don't do it now, it'll be January and other people will launch and press publish, put it on my Instagram and yeah, and went from there. And it's just been step by step um, learning as I go along. Yeah. So yeah. Well, even after three years of my podcast, I'm still learning and there's always yeah. something to learn. And I'm always learning yeah. from my guests, which is the biggest yeah. reward for me. And you have a great motto. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So the motto is we rise by lifting others. And that is the motto, both of my guests and for me. So for example, but also that's, that's not just me encouraging my guests. There's also, I want to encourage the paddleboarding community and there's um, as I said, the other podcast, Sup FM, Simon is great. He's been doing it since like 2015. So he's like way out there. Um, but, you know, if he's interviewed somebody, I'll tell people this was a great podcast. So I see my We Rise by Lifting Others to be supporting him as well. We're different. Uh, we've got a, kind, a tiny bit of overlap on guests, but I try not to because I want to support what he does. And, and he's very nice. And yeah, just keep the paddleboarding podcasting community going, really. So yeah, because well, it is still very small, still very small. And new people will come on. And that's great. I just need to, you know, keep doing my thing and encouraging. And yeah, well, you're doing a great thing. And oh, thank I you. think you're doing a great thank job you. with your IG promos. I'm always impressed by oh, thank how you. you promote your not only your podcast, but you promote others as well. So Yeah, I try to. Yeah, I try to. Because it can be lonely, can't it? It can be quite a lonely. I think what you're doing is great because you feel less lonely. You feel like it's so easy to see other people's and think, oh, gosh, how do they do that? Um, and it's good to promote other people. And, yeah, yeah. we, you know, I promote them. And, and, um, and then you have the little DMs behind the scenes going, oh, my God, this went wrong or oh my gosh, I didn't press record or, <laughs> right. you know, my mic isn't working or, um, you know, what do I do here? How do I do that? Yeah. And then other ones, you know, I've asked, um, particularly women my age, who have got a lot that they're juggling and I'm like, I, I just need a break. And they're like, have a break, you know, you don't just have to keep churning them out or somebody went to every other week and I thought, do I want to go to every other week? No, I just want to have a little break in between and yeah, so it's all learning and, and sharing. And I think as long as you as long as you surround yourself with podcasters that care about you and are kind, then we'll all just learn from each other. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what tips or advice do you have for women who are interested in paddleboarding but haven't quite taken the leap yet? I would say get a lesson because paddleboarding is really accessible. But a couple of hours lesson can just give you that difference between um, knowing a few skills and not knowing them. And, and they'll go through the safety aspects too. So I would say take a lesson and just see how it makes you feel. And then try and get a little community if you can. I mean, I didn't do this because nobody was paddleboarding around me. But um, now there is a, more of a community, and I'm sure in the States there would be. You know, get a few people that cheer you on. 
you know, find people like you. Um, it could be they, they're the same age or they're not, but, you know, find a little community of people either virtually or in real life that just cheer you on and, and sort of say, because it's a really, it is a very supportive community I've found, you know, and I'm really happy. I get all sorts of people tagging me and they're like, look at me. And I'm just like, wow, that's the best thing, you know, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And believe that you can do it and keep your eyes on the horizon. If you put your eyes down, that makes you wobbly. But just keep your eyes on the horizon and, and yeah. For and life moving, and paddle boarding. Life, keep moving and eyes on the horizon. Yeah. All right. That's a good life lesson, I think. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find Joe Mosley and her Sunshine podcast, The Joy of Sup, on Instagram at the Joy of Sup Podcast underscore. And wherever you listen to awesome podcasts hosted by amazing women like Joe. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for being on the show. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute joy. And I can't wait to hear about your paddleboarding. Well, thank you. I'll, you'll be the first to know. Oh, thank you. That's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast, an independent podcast. We welcome and encourage your snarky comments. Contact us at womenwhosarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at womenwhosarcast. Support us on Patreon and become part of our sarcastic community. Visit www.patreon.com backslash women who sarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbasciani. 